for the preaching of the cross unto them that are lost is foolishness to them that perish, but unto us is the power of God. Amen. Thank you for those songs tonight. Appreciate that so much. Turn to James chapter 1 tonight. James chapter 1. And I touched a little bit on this this morning, but we'll develop it a little more fully tonight. The message entitled, Tested and Tried. James chapter 1 tonight. I want to encourage you to remember, continue. I don't know if Pastor Paul mentioned it this morning or not. I slip out to shake hands, but the Booster family were on vacation and their trailer all burnt up and uh, they lost all that. Fortunately, their, their purse and their wallets and things were in their truck and they had some clothes in there as well. And uh, so that, that's a good thing. They weren't lot left without anything, but uh, continue to pray for them as they uh, make their way home shortly and have to deal with all that. Glad that nobody was hurt. Uh, two weeks from tonight, two weeks from tonight, we will practice or observe the Lord's table. And uh, we had kind of thought about doing it at the end of September, but the, uh, it's Thanksgiving Sunday in two weeks, and we thought, let's do it with Thanksgiving. And so on October the 9th in the evening service, we will have the Lord's table. And you say, why are you telling us now? Because the Bible says, let every man examine himself. And so we'll give you some time to prepare. Sometimes we examine ourselves by just dropping our head and praying for 30 seconds and say, okay, God, I'm good to go. And uh, well, I tell you what, I need more than that. And so let's, let's take some time over the next couple of weeks and seek the Lord. It's been a long time since we've had the Lord's table. And uh, we were doing, we did a couple uh, during those times of lockdown and such with those peel away cups. And I just, I did not like it. I just felt like we were dishonoring the Lord somehow. It just, all the racket that they made and some people were, couldn't get them open. They, it's cellophane. And I know you, you sit there like this. I can't get a Ziploc bag open most days, you know, and you're, it just didn't feel like we ought to be doing that in church. And so I just felt like, let's just wait till we can do it right. So on the October 9th, we will serve the Lord's table with ushers. If you say, I'm not comfortable with that just yet, that's fine. We will have some of those ready-made cups at the door for you, and you can bring one of those in if you would like, and uh, you can use that instead. But we just want to try to honor the Lord when we do that. That's an important, important service that we have at the church here. So James chapter 1 tonight, James chapter 1 <clears throat> And verse 1, we're going to look tonight at the various types of temptation. There's really just, there's two, not just one. We, we think about being tempted or being tested or being tried. And I want to show you a, a, two sides of the aspect of temptation tonight and, and that we might understand it. Uh, temptation is not of God. It is something that comes from without. But there are times where the Lord allows it to build our faith. We're going to see that tonight. It doesn't mean he authored it. But he does allow it. And when we are under attack, he's, he's praying for us that our faith might be sustained. And so we'll see that tonight, but we're also going to see the other side of that when it becomes sin. When we give in to that temptation and we allow it to take root in our lives. And so let's look tonight, James chapter 1. The Bible says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting... My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Can we do this? Let's stop right now. Let's have a word of prayer because I'd like to make some comments as I read the scripture. And so let's just go ahead and pray and then I'll outline a couple things as we go. Father, help us, Lord, as we look to the word of God tonight. I pray, Lord, that it would be practical for us tonight. Uh, Lord, that uh, at times we preach to the heart and we preach for a decision. And tonight, admittedly, I, I think it'll be more of a teaching time that we might understand uh, the, the trials and the testings that we face and the purpose of them. 
I pray, Lord, that the Spirit of God would work the very same way as he would in preaching, Lord, that it would work it into our hearts and help us in our minds to understand, speak to us, and strengthen us as a result. And so, Father, I pray you bless our time in your word. I surrender to you and ask for your filling. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's back up a little bit. The Bible says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes. So he's talking to Israel in particular, which are scattered abroad. Now, I don't think it's a secret to anybody that the Jews were scattered. Uh, the Bible is very plain about that. Paul would go into different places, Ephesus and, and uh, Cappadocia and different places, and he'd go into the synagogue. So the Jews were not just in Israel, they were scattered. But I want, I want to point out tonight that as James is writing to those 12 tribes scattered abroad, he's talking about Jewish Christians in particular. Not just secular Jews or religious Jews, those that attended the synagogue, but those that had trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. And here's why, because in verse 2 he says, my brethren, my brethren. These were brothers and sisters in Christ. They had given their hearts to Christ. They had been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so not only were they scattered abroad because of just the general spreading out of the Jews, they were scattered because of persecution. Understand Nero was lighting his gardens by setting their bodies on fire in cages. This was a terrible persecution that was taking place. And you'll remember that even uh, before this, just, just 20 years before this, that Saul himself, or the, later on the Apostle Paul, was breathing out threatenings and slaughterings. And I have to believe that he was not the only one doing the work of the Jews. He was out to kill the Christians. And so certainly others were as well. And so we see in verse 3, it says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So we have the first sign here that Paul is talking about persecutions or trials. The trying of your faith worketh patience. Verse three, 4, But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let me ask you, have you ever felt like that? You ever been in a place of, you say, well, I'm, I'm not double-minded. Let me, let me put it this way. We might call it this. Have you ever been in a place of indecision? Can't figure out what to do next. That's being double-minded. Do I go this way or do I go that way? I'm presented with choices, and both of them have real-life consequences, and I don't know which way to go and which is best for me. That's being double-minded. You struggle in those times, and it's hard to know. I remember in my last year, uh, my first year of Bible college, I, I had gone uh, the first semester, and I'd done very, very well. I had a very high grade point average, and, and, and studied and worked hard at it. My second semester, I wasn't sure if I was going to return. I had thought at that time to come home and finish my education at Baptist Bible College Canada, and I, I was struggling with that, and my grades tailed off a little bit. Well, wouldn't you know, Pastor Strachan came down to the fellowship meetings at the end of the year, and I didn't know, but he had come, he wanted to talk me out of changing schools. He wanted me to stay where I was. And as, as lucky as I am, I don't like the word luck, but this is just how it played out, I, I was walking with Pastor Strachan across the campus, and I said, 
Pastor, I, I need to stop and pick up my mail for a second. I went in the mail room and he went with me. And when you know, my report card was there when Pastor Strachan was with me. Well, that didn't go well. And he, he says, oh, what's that? And he took it out of my hands. And he looked at it and he saw my first semester grade and my second semester grade had dropped about a half a grade point average. And, and he says, ah, oh, he says, you're, you're, you had a little harder time. He says, a little bit harder classes maybe or what have you. And he was going on about that. And uh, he said this, he says, it's because you're in a place of indecision. You're struggling with this decision and it's affecting other areas of your life because the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Think about that. Anytime you've had to make a major life decision, has it trickled down to other areas of your life? We can try to compartmentalize and, and push it aside, but it affects us at work and it affects us in our relationships. And that's what the Bible is saying. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. I'm on verse 10 now. But the rich that in, in that he is made low because of the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perishes, so also the rich man fade away in his ways. I'm only reading verses 9, 10, 11, and, and uh, just for some context, we're going to skip those for the sake of time tonight, but look at verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. If we were to read James chapter 1, just quickly read through it and not take the time to break it down and understand it, it could be awful confusing. It almost sounds like, on one hand, Trials and temptations are a good thing. The trying of your faith worketh patience. The Bible says down there in verse 12, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Uh, for, it, for when he uh, is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised. And so we might think, well, without temptation, I'll never see a crown of life. I have to endure it. I have to get through it. And so it's a, a blessing in my life to be tested and to be tried in that I might come out on the other side. But then if we read on, we would find in verse 13, 14, and 15, it doesn't sound like a good thing. The Bible says that a man is tempted when he is led away of his own lusts and enticed. And then when we are enticed, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. And so we get this mixed message. What does it all mean? Well, I want to show you tonight that there are really two types of temptation he's talking about here. We see in the Bible, in Galatians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul spoke of his temptation, which was in my flesh. He said, you know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first, and my temptation, which was in my flesh, I, ye despised not nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus." This temptation that was a, a trying or a proving of Paul's faith. It must have been something that would cause others to make somebody an outcast. For he says, you did not despise my temptation. 
He didn't look down upon me because of it. Perhaps there were those that would be judgmental and say, obviously, God has judged you, Paul, that you have this temptation in the flesh. But Paul understood in that context that this temptation was a trying or a proving of his faith. We see in in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that Paul would later say that, that he asked for that thorn in his side to be removed thrice. But he heard from the Lord and understood that my grace is sufficient for thee. In trials and in temptations, we learn to lean upon the Lord. So James addresses this aspect of temptation in the first part of our text tonight. But then we also see in the Bible that Jesus spoke of another temptation when he addressed Peter when he said this, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ was about to be betrayed and he went with Peter, James, and John into the garden of Gethsemane and he came back and he found the three sleeping and he woke them up and he said unto Peter, I don't know why, just Peter, but he said, pray, pray. Lest ye enter into temptation. What was the temptation? That temptation on that very night would either prove their faith or it would cause them to fall. And we all know that the disciples that night all fled away. They failed. It was Peter that went out and denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times. And the Bible says that he went out and he wept bitterly. So there's temptation that will try or prove our faith, but then there's temptation that can lead us into sin. And here's the crux. It can be the exact same temptation. It's how we respond to it that determines whether it will prove our faith or whether we will fail. And that's what the Apostle James is talking about tonight. So let's look together As we understand, he's addressing this group of persecuted Christians. They were scattered abroad and they were hurting. And he says to them some things that we must understand if we're going to understand temptations. Notice in verse 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy. Boy, that's a tough one, isn't it? I have a hard time with the scripture says, In everything give thanks. He said, well, I'm not thankful for everything. The Bible doesn't say for everything give thanks. It says in everything. No matter what you're going through, find something to be thankful. And in this scripture, it's much the same when he says, count it all joy. He's saying, look at the bright side of this thing. When you are persecuted for your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is working in you. It is building something in your life. And so we are to count it all joy. But what I'd like to emphasize in this verse tonight is count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptation. There's three things we can pull from that. Number one, temptations are certain. He says, when ye fall. Doesn't say if or upon the occasion of your falling into temptation. He says, when? You will fall into temptation. You will be persecuted in some way. And I don't mean to say that we'll be persecuted like taken to a a block and beheaded in some way, but we will be mocked, we'll be scorned, something will happen. We'll be tempted to sin. 
Temptation is a reality in this life. The Bible says this, offenses must come. And they will tempt your spirit and tempt your soul. So when ye fall. Secondly, they are unexpected. They are unexpected. When ye fall. When you fall. You know, you don't expect to fall, do you? If you expected to fall, you wouldn't fall. You would avoid the thing that, man, let me tell you a story about my wife falling. We were in Bible college and we were just dating. And she says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring down these boxes. And we weren't allowed to go in the girls' dorms. But I could wait outside at the parking lot and she could bring those. There was a kind of a line you couldn't cross. And she'd bring those boxes down. And, and once she passed the curb, she could hand the box and I go load the car. So she brought her box down and she tripped over the curb. Splat. Are you okay with me telling this? I'm halfway through. You're all right? <laughs> and she went down. And I, I felt terrible. I said, oh, no. And I went down. I tried to help her pick her up. She wasn't hurt. She was laughing at herself. And I picked her up. So she went back upstairs. And she came back down. And she tripped over the same curb. Splat. And I went, okay. She's not hurt. She's laughing. And I went and I picked her up and helped her up again. She did it a third time. And I was starting to wonder. <laughs> normally, normally, if we know that something's going to cause us to fall, we'd avoid it. The fall is unexpected. I think what the author James is saying, temptation could come at any time. So be careful. But when ye fall, it is unexpected, it is inevitable. But they're also varied. Temptation doesn't always come in the same form. He says, when you fall into diverse temptations, they're sometimes different. The thing that got you last week may not be the thing Satan uses this week. That's to beware. That's why when we talked about this morning, the armor of God is so important that we always have on our armor. That we make sure that we are ready to stand against the wiles of the devil. So let me give you some things tonight about these temptations. We see, first of all, the integral work of temptation. The integral work of temptations. Look at verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire Wanting nothing. Notice what temptation does. It is the trying of our faith, and we see, first of all, the working of patience. The working of patience. I used to pray with my wife for school. We'd pray in the mornings, and I'd say, Lord, help my wife to be patient with those kids. And she'd say, will you stop praying for patience? Because the Lord tries our faith to make us more patient. And she's right. She's right. When we go through these trials, we become more patient. Instead of fretting and worrying over every battle that comes our way, we begin to understand that God is in control. And we learn to wait on the Lord. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. We will mount up as wings as eagles. We shall walk and not be weary. We shall run and not faint. So we must learn how to wait on the Lord. 
And so uh, Psalm chapter 27 is brought to my mind as well, verse 13, where it says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. To wait upon the God and, and to know and have patience is a difficult thing. We want to fix everything ourselves. But the Bible says the trying of our faith is working something in you. It is the making of patience. But we see, secondly, it's uh, the molding of perfectness. Being perfect. You say, what does that mean? It means being complete or whole. You know, we are not really like adults if we are not patient. We are not complete. We're not whole. We go into a place and we see kids stomp their feet and scream. They get angry because they want something so badly. Boy, you know what's even worse? Seeing an adult do that. That's even worse. You, you understand a two-year-old when they do that. I feel embarrassed for the parents. I remember years ago thinking, what is wrong with these parents? Then I had kids. And for whatever reason, they don't skip being two years old. They, they, all four of them went through being two years old. And, and boy, that built a patience in your life. I started having compassion for the parents. Thinking, oh man, there, a couple things happened. I had compassion for the parents, and I kind of smiled a little bit. Thought, man, I'm glad I'm done with that. Amen. But if we're going to be perfect or complete, we have to have patience. And so we see as, as the trying of our faith of these temptations come into our lives, it, it grows us in patience and it grows us to be perfect in Christ. And then we see the manifestation of peace. The Bible says, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire. Look at those next two words. Wanting nothing. Peace. Do you know what Psalm chapter 23 starts out as? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want peace. Not wanting or needing anything. We also call it contentment. The Apostle Paul talked about all the things that he was going through in his life, and he said this to the Philippians, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Last night we, yesterday I told you about the youth rally we went to in uh, Michigan and our son Austin was there. and We didn't know uh, until Friday night he, he took... Pastor Jim Shetler to the airport. He was driving him to the airport. For the, he said, where are you going, Brother Shetler? He goes, I'm going to this youth rally in Michigan. He says, there's going to be about 1,200 kids there. And he says, how come you're not coming? He said, I didn't know anything about it. He said, well, there are going to be 1,200 kids, and all these Bible colleges are going to be represented there. they got a table for Bob Jones, a table for Maranatha, and they got a table for Pensacola and uh, Crown College. All, and he says, West Coast really need to be there too. And he says, that, he says, let's, let's figure this out. So Austin got on the phone and called his boss and said, did you? And he says, no, man, you need to go. So he, he drove to L.A., dropped him off the airport, drove back to Lancaster, California, packed his bags, drove back to Los Angeles, and got on an airplane and flew all night and arrived at 6 in the morning in Detroit, Michigan. And then he spent all day up, and so we, find, we said, well, let's go down, and we'll spend the day at the youth rally, and we'll spend some time with Austin. And so what a wonderful, what a wonderful group. See, 1,200 kids under a tent hearing the sound of the gospel. It's wonderful. And one of, the, one of the sacrifices we had to make, though, is we had to go to Cracker Barrel. We, we, we just had to. 
But we felt so bad for our waiter. It felt like he was very new, and they were very much understaffed. And our, our section was full. I mean, he brought us all kinds of food, and we had food on our table. We didn't have a plate. We didn't have utensils, anything to eat it with. But we, we were tearing paper off the where they put the biscuits. They put them in a paper thing. We were tearing the paper off and putting them down and using it like a plate and trying to eat our food. It, it was something. But we, we felt so bad for him because we could see the other tables and people getting angry and complaining. The boy ain't it terrible when adults act like that. And i got to admit, sometimes we do too. Sometimes we want to fight and push back, but we saw this guy trying to do his very best. And so we just tried to be patient. He said, how did you come to that patience? I'm not, I'm not a very patient guy, I'll be honest. You could ask my wife. I, one of these days, I'm going to give my wife a microphone and let her give a rebuttal to everything I've said over the last 30 years. <laughs> But here's why we've learned to be patient. Because my wife and three of my kids have all served as waiters or waitresses. And have come home several times and said, you won't believe how we got treated today. And so now when we go into a restaurant, we go, let's treat them right. We tip a little more when they're having a bad day than we normally would. Because we've had to learn it. They've had to learn it firsthand. The trying of your faith worketh patience. And so we see the integral work of temptations. Have you ever met a rich, spoiled kid who's handed everything in life? They don't work for anything. They, they feel entitled. A child of God should never be entitled. The greatest thing you were ever handed was your salvation. But it came at a great cost. And don't you ever forget what it cost. Don't act spoiled. Be patient. So we see the integral work of temptation. Secondly, the importance of wisdom in temptations. Notice what he says in verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. He's saying this. There's going to come a time where there's a temptation. You don't know what to do with it. You don't know how to handle that situation. You don't know what is the best step to take. And so if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth to all men. I believe that God delights when we lean upon him. I understand this. Temptations are the trying of our faith, but our faith must be in him. He's saying, and what God is saying, if we're trying your faith, he's asking the question right out loud, are you going to trust me? Are you patient enough to wait on me? Do you believe I know what is best for you? So we see the importance of wisdom in temptation. Letter A, it is an untapped resource. An untapped resource. What I mean by that is so often we try to figure it out ourselves. We try to reason our way through something. We try to manage problems so that, that it comes out in our, to our best advantage. Well, God says, I've got a bigger thing going on, and if you'll just trust me, if, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be giving him. But we must understand that to get this untapped resource, we must have an unwavering faith. 
The Bible says in verse 6, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. When you go to the Lord and say, God, I believe you can take this problem and solve it. Don't get up from your knees and say, well, I guess I'm finished. Learn to trust the Lord. And he'll give wisdom. And he can take care of your problems. So we see an untapped resource. We see an unwavering faith. But if we have a wavering faith, and we ask without the proper faith, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Look at verse 8. We see an unstable Christianity. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. In other words, you won't get the answers you're looking for. What I'm saying is that when we have temptations in this life, we have to really learn how to trust the Lord. The trying of your faith will work patience. It'll bring you to a place where you'll bring most glory to God. But you have to learn how to go to the Lord and ask him for wisdom to deal with these situations. I want you to see the third thing. The immeasurable wonder of temptations. Look at verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. There's a victory to be had. You say, why are you calling it the immeasurable wonder? Do you know what you get to do with crowns? You get to lay them at Jesus' feet. Can you imagine that day? None of us are perfect. We all fall from time to time. But for those that can endure temptation, you'll receive a crown of life, and one day you'll lay it at Jesus' feet. The immeasurable wonder of temptations. There's a reward for endurance. A reward. But there's a race to end well. Look what it says here. Blesses the man that endureth temptation... For when he is tried, one day it'll be over. One day it's done. It came to pass, it didn't come to stay. I'm so glad that one day we'll be in it. We sang a lot this morning about heaven, and we sang tonight a little bit about heaven. But one day seeing Jesus face to face, we sang this morning, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. Think about it. It'll all be over. I like that second verse. There'll be no sorrow there. No more burden to bear. No more sickness, no pain. No more parting over there. Why? Because it's all over. But one day I want to stand before the Lord and say, I made it. Here's my crown. And lay it at his feet. And he says, Blessed are they that endure temptations. Let me say this. The battle is worth it. The battle is worth it. Let me give you perhaps the most important thing. Our time is almost gone. We see the imperative warning of temptations. What does the word imperative mean? It means you can't live without it. It's like water or oxygen. It is imperative. What is the imperative warning of temptation? Look at verse 13. 
Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Number one, consider the source. Being warned of temptation, James says, consider the source. God may not have immediately removed your temptation, but he is not the author of it. He does not put sinful things in our path. But instead, he allows us to live in this world and asks us to be armed with the armor of God and asks us to endure temptation that we might be strengthened and perfect and complete. He says, so what does God do? Here's what God does. There hath no temptation taken you such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. I said this morning, life is often binary. Heaven or hell, death or life, right or wrong. You have a choice. You have a way to escape or you can choose to embrace the temptation and give in and be drawn away of your own lust, as it says in verse 15 or verse 14. The imperative warning of temptation, first of all, consider the source, and secondly, notice the conclusion of sin. Verse 15, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. What does it come down to? Every single day we are tempted, we are tried, we are under pressure to fail. You have a choice. You can go to God who gives wisdom. By the way, he gives more than wisdom, he gives grace. He's provided a way to escape. He said, God, I need help with this. God, help me to endure. Help me to get through this. Let me say this, the temptations that we have are immensely less than this first century church. Their temptation was denounce the name of Jesus Christ or die. That's what they were being tempted with. Do you forsake the name of Jesus? Will you continue to preach in the name of Jesus? Will you deny him? If not, we're going to kill you. They had a choice to make. He said, what was their way of escape? Maybe it was death. He said, really? Yeah, maybe they, went, maybe they got to go to heaven. I don't know. I'm just saying God had a greater plan for their life. But I believe with all my heart that they fell upon their face before God as James has encouraged them and said, beg God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. Don't be wavering in your faith. Trust God and be patient and wait upon him. And if ye endure, you'll receive a crown of life. But... If you give in to that temptation, oh, and the temptation is real and it is strong and you're going to be enticed and you're going to want to say, I don't know who Jesus is. You're going to want to say, I, I don't believe in Christ and I've, 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 I've gone to this church service and I've followed after it because my family is there or my friends are there, but I don't truly believe. You're going to be tempted to save your own skin. 
But don't you do it because sin, when it has its end, is death. Trust me. Endure temptation because there's a crown of life. And aren't, aren't you glad there's a reward? But the reward is something that we will lay at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ in worship. Because, by the way, if you receive a crown of life, it's because of what he has done in your life. He's the one that gave the wisdom, and he's the one that built the patience, and he's the one that gave you grace, and he's the one that provided the way to escape. He did all those things, and so for he alone is worthy. Trusted and tried. I promise you, you're going to face it tomorrow, the next day, every day. Sometimes it's just little. Sometimes it's just like a little fly, and you just brush it off your shoulder like nothing. Other times it hits you head on like a freight train. But in each and every case, we are to endure temptation. Let's pray. Father, help us. Speak to our hearts. Strengthen us tonight. Help us to grow that patience in our life, Lord, that we might be perfect, wanting nothing. Lord, thank you for the love of the Lord Jesus Christ who not only is in us, but he walks with us. That he said he would take my yoke, that he'd pull alongside us. We just need to trust him. So, Father, speak to our hearts, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight. Our heads bowed and our eyes are closed. Would you take a moment and just ask God for wisdom? We all need it. May we make the application of our lesson tonight. You're going to be tried. You're going to be tempted. And either we're going to trust the Lord and wait upon him, or we're going to fail. There's no other option.